The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Good evening and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast preview show for round seven against Brisbane. It's a Sunday twilight match at Adelaide Oval. Joining me tonight is Macca and no Rick because he's on holiday, like the, I don't know, the, the king of Port Fan Radio he is. He's taken all the money we've earned from this podcast, all all $5 of it, and he's going overseas, isn't he? Five bucks? Where did this five bucks come from? I don't know. I think Rick found it on the street. Oh, more like five cents, I think. <laughs> Could be, but you know, Ricky's smart with money. He's turned into five bucks already. This is true. Very true. Mm. How are we? Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I kind of feel like after that loss last week or sorry win last week and the way we've been playing this year it kind of feels halfway like that midpoint where you sort of yeah we've got to win and it's like yeah but we're I don't know I'm not all that confident going forward for the season but we got to win it feels like those wins in the Choco era I think probably about I don't know the wins we got in 2004 like most of the season where we're thinking oh yeah it's great we're getting home and away wins but it's just so hard to enjoy them when you know we've screwed up the last two sets of finals it's, it's that yeah. sort of feeling right yeah. now it's just sort of it's nice, and if, if we had not been performing dubiously beforehand, I'd probably be a lot more excited about how we're doing, how we did against Richmond. Yeah. I guess it's the old saying, you just got to take it one win at a time, don't you? Mm. Enjoy the small moments, and then the uh, hopefully the big moments take care of themselves. Buddha Maka, absolutely. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, look, um, there's not a lot to talk about in footy news this week. Um, I guess I've got a question, really, which is about, I suppose, um, we've had the, the, the controversial thread on Big Footy about, um, what is it? I've lost my faith in King Hinckley. And there's a lot of people that have lost their faith in King Hinckley. And there's a lot of people after this weekend who reckon they might have got a little bit back. Um, it's sort of interesting to see. Do you think anything's changed from this weekend in regards to what you expect of the port coaches for the rest of the year? After the Richmond game? Not really. No. No, I don't really see what would have changed because of that game, really. No. Yeah, no. I don't really know. I don't really... I think people that have lost faith in Ken Henkley are probably barking up the wrong tree a little bit, but that's just me. I, I still got faith that he can um, he can pull off a premiership for us. Um, uh, would it have changed after last weekend? No, not at all. I don't see why, why it would have... Yeah, look, I mean, I just sort of think back to, I think we did a podcast uh, in the off-season or the pre-season about what sort of things we'd expect and what are the challenges the coaches are going to face this year and that Richmond game didn't really address any of them, you know. We no. had, We kept one key forward, uh, we overloaded the back line, which were the two things we said were going to be a challenge for 2016 is to try and have a more even balance so that we don't just get shut down uh, on the opponent's defensive 50 when they flood it, uh, and that we can actually get it forward. And the Richmond game didn't really show that, just showed that Richmond didn't, affect us in the way that we've shown to be vulnerable, I suppose, the last couple of years. So yeah. I hope we can see a bit of improvement on that. Um, but, yeah, so I guess... I, I guess the question is, did we win that game because we were really good or did we win the game because Richmond were really bad? And if it's the first one, then I can understand people saying, oh, maybe they've got a little bit of faith back in Ken Hinckley. But I guess it's it's one of those sort of dangerous things because I've done that in the last uh, 12 months and then we lose to Brisbane or we lose to Carlton, you know, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't want to sort of jump too early, I guess. Yeah, and, and it's also one of those things about the press as well, which we talk about 
in, in the press episode, the, the long, boring one that a lot of people probably didn't sit all the way through, where we talked about how it's designed to take down terrible sides, like terrible sides will hardly get a score, so you'll actually really dominate against them. And I feel like that's kind of... We didn't show it on the scoreboard. I kind of feel that was how we played on the weekend in that because we'd set up our zones we were sort of executing it, then it was actually looking really good against a side that's not reliable and consistent. Yeah. Um, but against a proper side, that we'll, we'll, we'll yet to see. We'll yet to see with a, a good setup whether it'll be effective or not. Um, yeah. We have to think all our players will have to play a bit better than they have so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had a comment on the Spreaker chat rooms uh, from Stu Hawes who's saying, yeah, good game, but only one game, nothing proven yet, which I think that's pretty, the, the too long don't listen summary of what we were just talking about, Macca. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Summed it up perfectly there. Absolutely. I mean, this is very much a Choco lose type game. You know, we, we get our hopes back up and then we lose. So certainly not uh, counting my chickens um, at this point in time for this week. No, Absolutely. All right, well, look, in the theme of uh, this being the 20th season of Port Adelaide in the AFL, uh, rather than go straight into the last time we met, I thought we'd talk briefly about the first time they met, which was the yep. first time Port Adelaide played the Brisbane Lions. It was round five, the 27th of April, 1997, at Football Park. Uh, Port Adelaide, 10 goals, 13-73, defeated Brisbane, 10 goals, 11-71. Um, it was a bit of a classic game. It was our third in a row uh, in our inaugural season, which was the one that actually put us ahead of the ledger. We had three wins and two losses at that point. Um, Scott Cummings, good old Scott Cummings, kicked five goals. Peter Bergon and Shane Brewer both got on the scoreboard. Uh, and at that time for the Lions, Justin Lepich was still playing forward. He hadn't gone through his transformation into All-Australian centre-half back. So uh, yep. it was a very different time and he kicked four goals one. Uh, we led in the first half. Brisbane clawed us back, I guess, with a little bit more experience than we had, but we managed to win by two points in the end with our classic Stephen Mac Paxman spoil. I think, I know for me, that was the moment that I went from thinking, oh, who's this Victorian, to like, oh, yeah, he's good. I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. That was just one of those classic Port Adelaide moments, I think, Paco's spoil. And mm. you could see it coming a mile off. You knew there wasn't much time left on the clock um, to set the scene because you couldn't really tell from the footage uh, just how serious that spoil had to be because yeah. he had – it was I guess it was similar to the current sort of Joe the Goose sort of thing. He had to go and he had to make that spoil. Otherwise, they would have kicked a running goal and they would have won the game with about 10 seconds left. Yep. And he, he managed to get there, didn't give away a free kick, did a, a fantastic spoil, got the ball out of bounds, and it was just one of those real classic Port Adelaide moments that I guess you're never really uh, going to forget on what was a uh, a pretty sunny Sunday afternoon back then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, it was a classic game, and I guess no one no one at that point, like people sort of went, oh, okay, you beat Geelong, that, that's pretty good, and we beat the, the Crows, and it's like, oh, well, it's a showdown. Not that anyone knew what showdowns were like then, but it just sort of seemed like, oh, they're just getting up for the hometown game. But the mm. fact that we then went on and beat just, you know, at that time, just a generic side, the third week in a row, was just really unexpected. Yeah. Um, and I really... guess I didn't, really, I didn't really expect to win that game after no. the showdown. I thought it was quite a brutal showdown. We had like four or five injuries. We had no bench left. We had someone limping on the ground at the end of that game. And I thought, eh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get up mentally or physically for the for the Brisbane game, but um, but we managed to do it. Yeah, it was really pretty impressive, I think. Um, and I guess, but I guess it showed how well drilled the side was for a brand new team, mm. um, and how desperate I suppose everyone was to prove their side, uh, their ability. Because I guess, unlike your Gold Coast and your Greater Western Sydney's today, like we came in with a team full, primarily full of players that felt they had a real shot uh, yeah. at securing a spot, and they weren't all eighteen-year-olds. You had you had 
22, 23, 24, 25, 26 year olds in Stephen Carter's mm. case um, all having a crack. And it was really, I suppose that was the, the moment when everyone really had to earn their spots because there was just so much competition. So I guess that helps in terms yeah. of maintaining your motivation for games that otherwise might be sort of letdown games after what was a pretty big week the week before. Yeah. I guess a couple of other things to note from that game. It was the debut of two uh, pretty important Port Adelaide uh, players, I guess. Uh, the first one, Roger James, obviously mm. one of our premiership heroes. The second one, it was the debut of Nathan Eagleton, who, uh, of course, got traded a, a few years later on that monster trade, which uh, netted us uh, Matty Bishop and um, Brett Montgomery as well. Yeah. And I, I guess... I think it also was the pick for Brent Gearer as well, from memory. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, and the other thing I've got to say... I reckon Peter Burgoyne can feel pretty bloody dirty about this game, to be honest. Yeah. 23 touches, two goals, kicked the winning goal with a couple of minutes left, and he didn't get the Rising Star nomination. They went to to Heath Black, who had 17 touches and a couple of goals. Well, hadn't we already got a couple by that point? I think we'd had what, Michael Wilson and Brendan Laid. I think we Brendan did. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I reckon that's just a case, well, we can't give it to another bloody poor player, so let's just pick someone else. Yeah, yeah. I, look, absolutely. That, there's no doubt that's what it was. I don't think that anyone picks the Rising Star nominations with any great level of professionalism um, at all, <laughs> really. We've had some pretty controversial winners of the award in the past. and mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, but, yeah, I think Peter Bergwijn could be a bit hard done. He, he never actually ended up winning one, did he? Cause he, he didn't, no. 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 Still 23 touches, two goals, winning goal. It's a pretty big game for a for a seven or eighteen year old in his uh, what third game or something. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you'd think it'd be worth a, a nomination these days for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And he wanted to be such a gun for us as well. It's just one of the huge oversights, I think. Really. Yeah, he was probably one that really deserved to get one, but uh, didn't happen. Doesn't matter. Oh. There you go. Um, he got a premiership medal instead. So. Yeah, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, just in the Brownlow votes that game, Brendan Laid, he got the three, Gavin Wanganin the two. And Brendan Laid getting the three in what his fifth game for the club, pretty impressive. He got 21 disposals that match, 16 hitouts, but importantly, 11 marks around the ground, which in those days was yep. pretty unheard of, really. Yeah, uh, he, right he, he played that classic uh, Sean Wren kick behind the play and just got yeah. in the way and just took everything that went up forward for, for Brisbane, really. So yep. I remember that uh, distinctly. He had a, a ripper game that day and... Gav Wanganini, he obviously um, went off early in the showdown the week before, so he was uh, he was pretty fit, um, recovered from his ankle injury and uh, and had a classic game as well. Absolutely. All right, well, I'm sorry to say it's time we have to move on and go to the actual last time they met. Which is, uh. I'm sorry, we have to do it. It's uh, round seven last year, 17th of May, uh, at the Gabba. Um, we, I think we're up at the end of the first quarter, just we kicked two goals to one or something like that. Um, but in the end, Brisbane were just on top of us most of the day. It was one of those games we, even though we were leading early, I mean, I, I kind of felt like we were definitely going to lose that one, and we did. And I think a lot of people had that similar mindset in that one. Um, Brisbane, 15 goals, 1202, defeated Port, 8 goals, 17, 65 for a 37 point loss. Uh, 8 goals, 17. What could have been? Uh, well, Paddy Ryder and Wingard both kicked three behinds each, although Wingard yeah. did also kick a goal. I think that's a big part of it. Um, yeah. That was really when the the idea of lobby and rider on the score on the terms of pure hitouts it was actually a really good combination. But Stefan Martin came out of it with a Brownlow vote, and mm. Brisbane won the match by a heap. So you have to sort of wonder if I don't think at that point we were really convinced it was going to work, um, and we were just learning how good Patrick Ryder was, I think, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 
Uh, what can I remember from that match? I've tried to uh, block it from my memory as much as possible. <laughs> I remember I was working that day. I was I was at work, um, was checking my phone, um, and saw we were a few goals up, sort of in the f- late first quarter, early second quarter. I thought, yeah, that's that's probably pretty standard. I'm, I'm hoping we're going to do all right there. Finish work. Thought, no, nah, I'm not going to check the score anymore until I get to my car. I'll put on the radio, see what happened. And uh, turned the radio on. It was just before halftime and Brisbane were up by three or four goals. I thought, oh, no, what's going on here? And it just <laughs> didn't get any better. It did not get any better from there. And the, the sad thing is, you know, you kick eight goals, 17. We definitely had our chances, especially early in that second quarter. I think Paddy Ryder took a number of really good marks on the lead and just uh, couldn't convert. Um, you know, you convert those goals, you end up sort of four or five goals in front and maybe Brisbane don't come back um, and the game's a little bit different and maybe the season's a little bit different as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably what I remember from that game. I guess um, whilst the, the West Coast game the week before might have been the start of the rot, uh, but I guess we didn't realise that at the time. Yep. Uh, this was definitely the game where you thought things are definitely not right this year. Yeah, absolutely. It was a very disappointing game for a lot of reasons. Um I suppose you'd have to say it's one of the games that you sort of have formed the, the view in the minds of the I Have Lost Faith in Ken Hinckley group, and that's one of those little tiny ones in the back of the, uh, the mind, and I guess that's something... Look, we've got to prove we've got that 2014 never-give-up drive back, because mm. we, we haven't got it at the moment. We've played a few games fairly well, but not that sort of, yeah, we know it's all against us, but we're going to keep going anyway. I don't think we've really done that at this point. Yeah. Look, without even looking at the start date of that thread, that Hinkley thread, I reckon that might have even been the start of that thread after that game. Yeah, it could be, actually. Good good call. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, look, that's that, that's the unpleasant part. That's enough of that. Yep. Yep. Let's move on to this week uh, against Brisbane. Uh, we've got, uh, because it's a Sunday game, obviously we've just got extended squads, uh, and the ins are pretty good. Chad Wingard, Jackson Trengove, and Carl Amon. Um, we've got a bench named of Stewart, Amon, Tumpus, Howard, Burn Jones, Sam Gray, and Cracker. I kind of reckon the outs. I reckon this will be the week that Stewart gets dropped and Sam Gray gets dropped, and I don't think Amon yep. will come in. So I think the bench will be Tumpus, Howard, Burn Jones, Cracker, which is pretty solid. Um, it's still very flanker heavy, but we've got Jackson Trengove back. So hopefully, I, I don't know how the how do you reckon we'll play Jackson Trengove? Like, is this is last week's heavy run make him more of a ruckman now than a defender or is Brisbane too tall on the forward line for us to mess around doing that sort of thing? That's a really good question and I guess this is uh, where Paul Stewart might still be handy this week and maybe we won't see him get dropped. Um, uh, I guess on face value you'd probably drop him for Trengove but um, you look at their forward line they've got Josh Walker who's pretty tall, Josh Shackey who's pretty tall um, they've got Daniel McStay who's named in the back line but he'll play out forward he always does uh, they've got uh, Marco Paparone as well so they do have quite a few tolls that can play out forward um, so I would think Stuart might actually be a little bit handy this week um, in that sort of role I think on face value you'd probably start Trengove in the ruck I really want to see that happen mm. um, obviously uh, I would assume or I would definitely hope that Howard stays inside Um uh, but I guess you just got to work out the matchups and, and see what's going to happen from there. Can Cam O'Shea play that sort of um, more sort of taller defender role as opposed to his sort of running defender role this week? I don't think you'd leave it up to Cam O'Shea, would you? Well, he's done it in the past and he's done a, a reasonable job. I mean, look, Josh Walker and uh, uh, Daniel McStay aren't world beaters. Um 
I'd be pretty confident that Cam O'Shea would be able to do the job on Daniel McStay, for example, if it came to that. I think you would most likely see Homsch take Walker. We'll probably see Jonas take Shaki. Um, though Shaki's quite tall. I think he's uh, pushing sort of 199 yeah, or so. So so maybe we will see Trengove play down back and Howard Ruck and, uh, and Dixon Ruck. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's always the opportunity that... Um... If, if we manage to make it so that one of their key forwards is not performing, they may get pulled and that may en- enable us to put Trengove in the ruck for a bit um, to relieve Howard and Dixon and Wend- uh, Westhoff. So that, that, that's a possibility, yeah. I suppose. Well, we um, know there's at least two changes going to happen because Trengove and Wingard are named on the ground. So there's definitely two changes yeah. going to happen. So yeah. you would assume on face value, Stewart's gone. Um, yeah. and then it's you know then it's a little bit 50-50 from there. Did Cracker do enough last week? Probably did Tumpus do enough last week? Maybe, maybe not. Do we rest Darcy Byrne-Jones, who's had four pretty uh, pretty solid games? Maybe he's getting a little bit sore. Maybe this might be the game where they say, yeah, we might rest him just for this oh, week, yeah. bring him back next week. It could be a possibility, especially if we do want to keep Paul Stewart in the side. I can't see Amon getting a game. No. Um, and then you would you would hope that uh, Howard stays in the side as well. Yeah, look, I think that Tumpus would... I don't think Tumpus would be well served by being dropped at this point. Um I think that last week we saw that he is playing a very different style of game to what he was playing at Melbourne. We sort of looked at the stats and saw that was the case in the preview, um, in that his contested ball's way up, and um, he's actually been a little more efficient than Polek in a lot of regards this year, not necessarily in terms of his, uh, uh, what do you call it, incisive kicking or anything like that, but just in terms of getting in there and having a crack. Um, And I don't think he'd learn it at that SNFL level, because if he's trying to learn how to cope more in traffic and get more contested ball... You're not going to learn that against SANFL players, I wouldn't have thought, for the most part. No, um, that's right. I guess the interesting one is Sam Gray. What do we do with him? He hasn't really had the greatest year to date. He had a really good round one, but uh, has probably struggled a little bit since then. I was pretty critical in the review podcast of his uh, of his fumbling and overrunning the footy. Yep. Do we drop him? Is he uh, in the gun this week? I think we definitely drop him this week. Mm. Um, it's one of those things when you talk about these sorts of players is that they're the players that you know and they know every week that they're always under the gun to be dropped. Um, you know, they come in sort of mature and they're not real heighty or anything like that. And if they drop their form even a little bit as a as a secondary midfielder flanker, um, then you've got to they got to expect that they'll be dropped back. It might be yeah. good for him. Um, unlike Tumpus, who is trying to play a more contested game, I don't think you could say that Sangre is exceptionally contested, or at least not when he's been shining in the power side. He hasn't been particularly contested. Uh, and the confidence he might get from a run at the Magpies might actually get him back in line. He's been too long without a good game, I think, and that's probably a, a good reason to drop him back and give him a shot at um, proving he can get backed up to speed and where he was last year, late last year. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, all right. Well, look, we'll look at the Brisbane squad quickly. Uh, again, because it's a Sunday side, we haven't got any outs, um, but we have got three ins. Uh, Dane Beams is in, back from a couple of injuries. Um, he's back from a shoulder reconstruction and knee issues. Uh, and he was the best on ground, or arguably, last time that we played against them. So he's an inclusion yeah. that could be a bit troublesome. But coming back from injury, you've got to wonder how well he is and ready to go. Um, Josh Shackey is an inclusion. He's an early draftee, uh, key forward. Uh, and Marco Paparone is an in. Um, I'm not sure who come out from that Brisbane side, because like I said, I don't really know them well enough. But it does look like they're going a bit taller. Uh, I feel like we're in the same situation that the Bulldogs were in when we had a billion tall forwards on our list under Choco, and that I think people are just going to try and hide us in the back line and hope that that 
limits our ability to rebound and just intercept everything. But I guess we'll see what happens. <clears throat> yeah. Look, they are good ins for Brisbane. Dane Beams, obviously, he's a superstar. He's one of the, you know, probably their best player. Mm. Uh, Josh Shackey, number two draft pick from last year. Um, he's going to be pretty interesting uh, to see how he plays. Um, I think he's played a few games already. Yeah. Uh, and Paparoni, he's, he's a really good player. He's a, a very, very underrated player. He can play anywhere. He's sort of their answer to uh, Westhoff, I guess you'd say, though he does play a bit more back than up forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting Brisbane side. I think it might be a little bit light on in depth, but um, obviously their midfield is where all their guns are. They've got a fantastic midfield. Mm. Uh, they're all playing pretty well at the moment as well. So I guess that's uh, the concern for me this week. Yeah, well, I mean, if you've got a, a winning midfield and you've got a couple of key forwards that can take a big mark, um, then that's always going to be a point of exposure. So I guess it comes down mostly to that frustration and how much we load up the defensive side of the centre square uh, and that um, back 50 line, because um, yep. I think that's really what it's going to come down to, is just not allowing the ball to make that link between forward line mark and um, centre clearance. I think that's most yep. of what we've got to do. Yeah. No, they've got a very good midfield. Hanley's in probably career-best form. He's been absolute lightning to start the year. Mitch Robinson, he's had a really good start to the season as well. Uh, they're two recruits in Bassanac and Tom Bell. Um, they've done very, very well to start the season. They're both averaging around about 20 touches. Have added uh, some real class and some decent skill to their lineup. Dane Zorko's in really good form. Um, and obviously Stefan Martin as well in the ruck, who uh, could absolutely monster us this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. If you've got a winning ruck and you've got a good midfield and you've got a couple of key forwards and good enough defence, you can see how they could beat us. But like you said, it is, does seem like a fairly shallow list. And if we play a good team game, I think we could edge them out. I think we could edge them out if we mm-hmm. if we maintain some of the team play that we had last week and hopefully we'll have every week going forward. Um, this is why it's always a concern to sort of say, oh, we're back or something like this um, yeah. too early on because it, it is a team which uh, does concern me a little bit. Um, do they have the firepower up forward to kick goals? I'm not too sure. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Josh Walker. I think he's pretty ordinary. Now he's going to come out and kick five goals probably. Yeah, um, <laughs> Shaki and McStay should cause a few issues. Um, Buick's a decent little player. Uh, ben Keys had his debut last week, so uh, he's one to look out for as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you think uh, our forward line will go against uh, the Brisbane defence? Obviously, Dixon had a bit of a breakout week last week in some respects. He managed to not have to play on Rance, which I think helped him out a little. Do you think that we'll be able to repeat that with him as a key forward, or do you think we have to rely heavily on the Smalls, and can they do it? Uh, I think so. I think the Smalls is probably going to be where we win the game. I think uh, Dixon against Merritt is going to be a pretty decent uh, matchup. I think they've had some pretty good battles in the past. Mm. Um, Harris Andrews, has uh, he had his debut season last year and played really, really well as a key defender. So you'd think he would take West off. They're pretty similar sort of size and, and sort of lanky fellas. Um, so I think it's probably going to be um, our smalls where we win the game. Uh, can Wingard sort of recover some form and, and kick a few goals? hope so. Uh, Aaron Young, hopefully uh, he continues his consistency a little bit and I guess this is a game where I really want to see Jakey Need sort of break out and kick uh, kick a few goals and and have one of those sort of standout performances that he shows every sort of six or seven games. Yeah, Jake Need's been an absolutely fascinating player this year because if you watch closely, you can see he does a heap of really good things. 
Uh, and he's clearly got the faith of the coaches because a couple of times you might say, oh, yeah, he could be dropped this week, and he hasn't been. He's, he's yeah. stayed in the side. So he's obviously doing his job, um, and I guess that'll probably be expressed in the end of year best and fairest voting like it always is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, he, he's trying really hard. You mm. can see that he's working his ass off. It's just the the composure when he's got the ball, which lets him down a little bit. But, um, yeah, he had a really good game last week for, for a game where he only got five or six touches. Yeah. yeah, he was one of the most influential players on the park. So hopefully he can do that again, but uh, maybe double his uh, disposal output this week. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that Need, obviously, just need, need I suppose, is someone that's going to struggle um, with people that go off fantasy football. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's probably a part of the criticism you might have about him. But, um, yeah, you'd have to say that, um, look, I think we're a real chance for this one. I guess another factor to consider is also that um, with Charlie Dixon, um, we've now got a key forward that's got a reasonable amount of Gabber experience. I'm just wondering whether that'll help his game or not in terms of goal kicking and finding the right spots. Yeah, well, that's a good, uh, a good point as well. He's uh, obviously played a lot of games there. Um, would have kicked a lot of goals there as well. Uh, just uh, stalling a little bit while I look that up. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, the Gabbery's kicked, I uh, don't oh know, maybe not so good. Five goals in five games. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's a write-off. <laughs> We're going to lose. Um, shut the podcast down now. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> so he's right. kicked nine, nine goals in six games against Brisbane. So his, okay. uh, his output's a little bit better there. So he's better against the team than in the ground, which is fair yeah. enough, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Well, just on the game in general, I guess we'll get, talk about the coach. Um, should we be concerned about Justin Lepich at all? Uh, we've only got two games against him as a coach. Uh, we absolutely smashed Brisbane when we played uh, at a level against them, 113 points in 2014. But um, Brisbane won at the Gabba last year, obviously. Um, it doesn't look like there's any sort of persuasive form to say anything about whether Lepich is going to have a, a good run against us. Do you think? What do you think of Justin Lepich as a coach in general, Macca? Oh, I think he's probably a little bit bog standard. I think he's mm. maybe a little bit harsh, I guess, um, in terms of he hasn't really had the quality in his team uh, to get results. Um, you know, he took over um, at the start of 2014 with a lineup which was. Uh, pretty threadbare, to be honest. Um, a lot of kids, he obviously lot of, lost a lot of players that year. That was the year where he lost uh, you know, four or five of those draft players, including Jared Pollock, that, that all went home. Um, and he's seen the same sort of happen um, in his time there. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I think he's building a pretty good squad, as, as we've just gone through. I, I really like their midfield. I think yeah. they've got a, a pretty talented young forward line. I think they've got a pretty talented... Uh, youthful defence as well. It's just a matter of time with Brisbane. I, I don't think it's going to be this year where they sort of climb up the ladder. I think they'll probably still finish bottom two or three. Uh, but maybe from sort of 2018 onwards, um, we'll see them really start to push for finals. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, I get the feeling he's a bit of a caretaker coach. And I think he probably... Oh, look, he's, he's always seemed to be acting like a caretaker coach in that he's building a squad. Um, he reminds me a lot of um, Shaw at Adelaide. Uh, just mm-hmm. in terms of how you can see there's something happening there, um, but we probably won't see it executed by Lepich. Probably what will happen is in another couple of years' time, um, he might get the axe and they might bring in someone that is a highly rated tactical assistant to take over a team that should be um, pretty primed to make a good crack at finals and yeah. potentially top four at that point. Just um, to go back a little step... Um, yep. Just looking up some of Charlie Dixon's stats against Brisbane, he's actually kicked all his goals against Brisbane last year. 
Um, he, he got the three Brownlow votes last year in uh, in the first game. He kicked six goals, had seven marks, nineteen touches, and he kicked three goals in the second outing against them. So he's uh, he's certainly in good, good form against Brisbane, and hopefully we can uh, can see one of those sort of breakout games from him and, and and a fair few goals because we haven't really seen that yet. He's been pretty consistent, mm. uh, but I want a big game. I want to see him kick six or seven this week. God, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would be lovely. <laughs> Uh, and just on the psychological advantage, um, Lions obviously are 1-5 and five at the moment and they've got a pretty ordinary record at Adelaide Oval. Um, mm. You'd have to think that we go in pretty confident. Um, you would hope so. You would hope, hope so. But so. I'll take a lot out of that win last year. Mm. Yeah, they've, they've shown they've been able to beat us before. Um, why not again? They've got a better uh, squad this year than they did last year, so they'll certainly go in with a lot of confidence, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right, well, we'll move on to the Fringe Force 5, which is interesting. Um, this was originally selected as a group of five players that I thought were going to be in and out of the side, but Aaron Young, who's this week's Fringe Force 5 member, he's, really taken, he's taken Angus Montfrey's spot pretty nicely, you'd have to say, at this point. <laughs> he certainly um, has. He's uh, averaging over two goals and 14 disposals this year, um, and he seems to have found a place in a pretty Andrew Rex side, admittedly. Um, it might be that when we back at full strength um, that maybe there isn't a place for him. I don't know. It really depends. If he keeps kicking two goals and getting a, a disposals in the teens every week, you'd have to think he'll stay around. And he's been useful when he hasn't get, been getting the ball as well. He's just been making good position and being part of team players. So, um, yeah, I'd almost be tempted to remove him, but you never know. You never know what can happen. We'll see how he's going in another five weeks. Mm. Good on him. Do you think the fact that he couldn't get traded last year in the fact that we, we searched and searched and there were no takers. Do you think that was a bit of a wake-up call for, for Youngie? Uh, no, because I think that last year he was still playing pretty well. I think that mostly it's just the added experience, but more importantly, the opportunity to come in and not be a sub. Um, yeah. That's probably the biggest thing that's probably helped him, really. He spent so much time being the sub when he's been selected and mm. playing any part of a game, and now he's getting you know most of the game, which is I think is suiting him really well. Um, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point as well. He's, I think he was the most subbed player mm. um, ever. So that'll be a, that'll be something for the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah, it's probably end up in the AFL record guide or something. Mm. And generally when he's played full games, he's played all right. So, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe, yeah, I'm not too sure. I still think it might have been a little bit of a wake-up call. He's certainly in career best form. Yeah. He's, uh, he's hitting the scoreboard every week. Um, he's doing his job. He's certainly lessened um, any sort of impact we would have had from losing Monfries for the year. Mm. Um, and he's playing that role to absolute perfection at the moment. You know, he's leading up strongly. He's taking a few marks, kicking goals, um, doing some pretty good sort of defensive pressure stuff as well. Um, there's not much more that you can ask uh, from Youngie at the moment. And it's great to see a player like that turn their career around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it really brings up another important question, which is obviously Angus Monfries is due to come back next year. He's about 30 or so, and he's had a year off from the game. With Young's good form, do you think we'll be encouraging him to return to the side? Well, that's the uh, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Because he's out of contract. This was his last year, Gus yep. Monfries. Yep. Um, do we offer him another year just uh, as a way of saying sorry for last year or something, or do we... Do we say, well, sorry, you've been overtaken by guys like Young and Tumpus? I don't know. I, I think we'll probably offer him another year. Do you think we should offer him another year? 
So I agree that I think we will, oh, but then it comes down to good bloke syndrome where I think that sometimes we offer contracts to players for reasons other than their contribution to the list. Well, he is a decent player, and he did have a pretty good year last year, Monfrey. So it's not like he was sort of struggling to begin with. It was always the question of he's been progressively getting uh, worse and worse with his three years at the club. Yeah. Was was that going to continue, and would there be a spot for him at the end of this year if that sort of downward spiral did continue? But I don't know. Maybe a year off gets his body um, in tip-top shape. I don't know. I think we'll definitely be offering him at least a year. Yeah, I think we will too. But I'm, if, if Young keeps on his average of the two goals a game, I think that we shouldn't. Um, I think he's a player we could afford to be without uh, going into next year, which is really unfortunate for Gus. But Look, Gus on base wage would yeah. be a pretty good depth player. Because you know he's, he's good enough to play in the midfield, good enough to kick goals up forward, can do a defensive job up forward. As a we... guy that's uh, that's... Well, he's probably still a better option than guys like Amon, isn't he? So, I don't know. Amon's been keeping up to AFL standard training this year, uh, and he's on the uprise in terms of uh, how he's learning the game and his experience. Yeah. Um, whereas you have to say, like, I mean, as you said, uh, Montrez is getting worse every year. Uh, this year it might have been worse, but even if he'd stayed the same and just had a year off with um, not playing football, not get it, keeping that awareness up, not keeping that knowledge of the game playing up and all that sort of thing. You know, so it's going to be a really big ask for him to come back and play in the senior side if we do keep him on. Um, mm. I think that next year when I'm picking a fringe force five, if we do sign him up, I think he'll definitely be one of them because it's just yeah. such an up and down thing. Yeah. Um, mm. No, that's fair. It's an interesting call and I guess one of those sort of things that uh, Cripps and the, the list managers have to make. And mm. well, I don't know. I think because he is a senior player, they would have made some sort of agreement at this point in time that, that he'll definitely be on the list. I've got no doubt about that. Yeah. I've, I've got, look, I, I have very little doubt that he won't, that he will, he will be on the list. Yes, I agree, but I'm not sure that he should be, but there you go. Yeah. If we drop Paul Stewart, then we've got a spot left over for a sentimental. Vote, I guess. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll just get quickly into the Magpies game. Uh, there's not heaps to talk about from mine because obviously I can't see the Magpies living in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> It's Saturday at 2.10pm versus West Adelaide at Albert Noble. Um, so it should be a nice trip down to Albert and watch a team. Um, Lobby's obviously out with a knee injury, which we just heard, I think, today that there's not going to need surgery on, so that's good. But he's yep. still out for 12 weeks. Um, I don't know, how do you like Paul's chances this week? And how do you like Chad Corns' chances of uh, not doing another negative review? Look, Westies haven't been in great form. They're suffering a bit of a premiership hangover. Yeah. They've been really struggling this year. Um I just don't think we've got a very good team. We just don't have the depth at the moment with all the injuries that we've got, um, that we don't have that sort of quality of depth across the park at the moment. Um, I think our defence is really rock solid. I think our midfield is just okay. And our forward line is a bit of a debacle. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a very, very young, inexperienced forward line. Um, And I don't think it's capable of kicking too many winning scores this year. Yeah, no, that's probably fair enough, really. Butch is still in, though. Good old Butch. Surely good old Butch. Yeah, well, he's he is one that has been in really good form and has been pretty consistent, so good on him. He's, he's doing a really good job. Um, Houston had a really good game last week, so interested to see how he continues to develop. Want to see more out of Cameron Hewitt. Um, you know, Reynolds is someone that's been kicking a lot of goals as well, so 
Yeah, we've got some goal-kicking options. I guess um, it's just about them sort of putting it together. It's it's a pretty small forward line as well, so, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, we do have just one question, which I missed on the Spreaker chat, which is, will Trango, will Trango play Ruck uh, in the senior side this week? You would think so. He'll, he'll spend at least half the game in the Ruck, I would think. Yeah, yeah, if only just because Howard, you know, still... <laughs> probably doesn't have that game endurance yet like i said no. i agree that it probably makes sense yeah um, all right well look um i guess we'll... before we continues I, I just want to i'm just looking at the uh the academy side at the moment mm. and i've got to say these names this is great you've got jackson williams yep. tyler harris sam tyler will northeast uh kieran Aegis, tom phelps darcy jennifer it's a who's who <laughs> it is of, a bit, uh, of sons of there must be about 30 premierships between them there. Yeah, it's a shame we don't get priority picking most of them, does it? Or do mm. we? Uh, probably none at all, I would think. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. But maybe that maybe that will change. You never know with the uh, with the academy process coming in. We might see that change. Have you seen Will Northeast play? Does he kick like his dad? Will Northeast is a very fine kick of the football, but he's very, very short. He'd be mm, struggling yeah. uh, He'd be str- struggling to push 170, I reckon. Oh, so the Yamina will definitely draft him then. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. <laughs> no, he's been around a while, uh, Will Northeast. He's a, he's a good little player. He's a, he's a yeah. gun. Oh, that's good. Um, well, if he goes on and has a career with Magpies, I think there'll be a lot of people pretty happy with that one. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Mm. All right. Well, it's a short podcast this week because I guess none of us were super excited and there's not really been any exciting news. Um, I did notice that on the Port Adelaide for, uh, website that they did say we've got a new partnership with Jumpgate who's doing the virtual reality stuff we've been using and we've got a bit more permission to film a bit more of that. So I guess we'll see more of that coming up on the website fairly soon. Um, okay. It's exciting because I think that that VR training method for players is really going to be important for um, really executing those team-based defences like Janus keeps talking about on the forums uh, because... Uh, when you describe it on paper, it's never going to match up to the fluidity that's expected when you're playing on the field. So that could actually end up being mm. really useful for that. Um, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. It might be an adjustment to get used to that method of training and learning. Uh, it might be one of those things that, I don't know, I don't know if the draftees are going through that yet. It'd be nice to think that the TAC Cup and all those guys are. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, very true. All right. Well, um, got the final wrap. Um, so, who's your winning side, and what's the margin, and who's your highest goal kicker for Port? Oh, ton of questions there. Uh, I know, throwing them at you, pow! I've got to go Port this week. I've just got to yeah. pick Port. I don't think it's going to be a big win. I'm going to pick eight points in a pretty, uh, pretty close affair. Um, highest goal kicker, uh, Charlie Dixon with four goals. Yep, that sounds pretty good. Um, uh, I guess I'll, I think it's going to be a smashing either way. Um, because I think both oh. sides, <laughs> yeah, <it's> a, <laughs> which I know is a really weird thing to say. Like, I don't think if you're doing the try about, I'm not picking the one that's, it, someone's going to win by less than 15. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think a side's going to get on top. They're going to get psychological advantage and they're just going to ride at home because really I think that the, the, the advantage that Brisbane has is obviously ruck midfield and key fours. And if they're firing, then we'll, we'll, find it very hard to stop them but similarly yep. if we frustrate their possession if we frustrate them going forward to the point that we can just keep rebounding and i think we'll punish them equally mm-hmm. so but i guess i'll just be the port fan and say port by say 30 or more 
Okay. Um, I reckon that's pretty, yeah, I'm pretty confident of that. But I also think there's right. a little chance at Brisbane, you know, 30 or more. We'll see. Um, high score for Port. You'd have to say with those news little stats about Dixon versus Brisbane, I think you're up there on the money. This might be the week. And in front of a big home crowd, that's pretty exciting to think of, um, that we get Dixon sort of winning over the crowd in a way that Butcher normally has and I guess hasn't been replicated as yet. We'll see. That's it. <laughs> get All in right. there, Charlie. Absolutely. Uh, and now you're immediate. Um, obviously, they're never expected. Suddenly, they're for good or bad. You need to name one for Port and one for Brisbane. Someone that's going to okay. come in and make a surprise impact on the game. <sighs> My immediate for Port is going to be Cam O'Shea Ooh. or Cam O'Sexy. Uh, he's going to have 31 touches and Ooh. dominate across halfback. That would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to pick, I'll just pick one quickly for the immediate for Port. I think Brad, Eber, uh, Brad Ebert's probably going to be our immediate in that he's had some very patchy form this year and certainly mm. a lot of clangers, but I think he'll hit the mark this week. I'm pretty confident. I think he's going to he, kick well. He tends to always have big games. Um against teams that sort of struggle, against yep. sort of teams on the lower sort of rung on the ladder. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sort of with a best on ground performance. Yeah, I think he's definitely one of those players that if he gets given a little bit more time, a little bit more certainty that he's not going to get tackled mid-kick, he's going to improve his accuracy no end. That's um, it, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's why he does a bit more team work than others because he wants it so badly. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Mm. Uh, my immediate for Brisbane... Uh, I'm going to pick Josh Walker, only because I don't particularly rate him. He's had one sort of half-decent game of AFL footy in the past. Um, not sure why they really sort of chased after him. I guess he's a big body. He's a big lad. He looks about 50 years old. He's only 23. Um, still got more hair than me, though, so I shouldn't really talk. Um but yeah, I don't know. I think he's probably going to kick four goals this week. I reckon I can just sense it that he's going to have some sort of day out. Oh uh, yeah, and especially seeing as you said you didn't rate him much during the earlier part of the podcast. That's sort of a the kiss of death, really, isn't it? It is. Um, look, mine is going to be Sam Mays. Not that he's not a good player, but this is he's probably going to have that performance that I think you just predicted that Camo Shea might have. Um, I feel that Brisbane know just enough to say, yeah, we're going to keep numbers around that defences into the square. And I think that Sam Mays might be able to quarterback it just behind there and really take a bunch of intercept marks and really yeah. frustrate us. So, um, yeah, I reckon Sam Mays is mine for this week. Okay. He's an interesting one, Sam Mays. I guess there's been a lot of talk over the last sort of six months or so mm. that he's wanted to come home. Um, he stayed there. Uh, obviously, he was contracted for this year. He's out of contract this year. The, the rumours are starting up again. Is he mm. someone that that you think uh, we might target in the off-season? Uh, this is another one of those will we and versus should we. Um, mm. If you look at our team, we've got so many half-back flankers already, right? Um, and really, we should even be looking to trade out a couple because we've got Riley Bonner coming through. We've got Burn Jones probably earning a spot in the side on a permanent basis um, and bringing more in. Unless Sam Mays was coming at like, you know, a third round pick or something like that, I just don't see that he'd be a priority for us. But yeah. he's a South Australian, he's got a bit of quality, and obviously all the rumours said we were pretty keen on him before we were drafting that year, so um, I guess we'll see. He has played a lot of footy down back, but um, I guess as that, uh, as that young kid, he was coming through as a forward flanker, very, very similar to Gus Monfrey, so... Yeah. Maybe that sort of all ties in um, together and we'll uh, we'll get Sam Mays to sort of um, take over from Monfrey's um, at some point in the future. I don't know. Oh, I think we might um, we might target him. 
Um, I think the Crows might as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I think the Crows will, and I think we should. I personally think we should probably let them. Um, I don't think we should be. I think we should be bringing in draftees this year. Um, maybe less so than we should be next year, which is apparently going to be a really good draft year. Um, but I think we need to just start filling up for the trade. All the trades we've brought in at the top end. Um, you know, the Victorian journalists have all said we've got terrible salary cap troubles, and I'm not saying it's true. But if you keep trading in players at a premium. Um, not only does it hurt your potentially your salary cap, but it also hurts your draft capital as well, and that you don't necessarily have the right sort of players coming through. Yep. Uh, we've been exposed in a couple of main areas this year. Uh, mm. Obviously, Ruck is a huge concern. So if we're giving up anything for another halfback flanker when we could be throwing it towards a Ruck, then you've got to really question what we're doing, unless he's yep. super cheap. So I'm not keen on that one. Good um, call. All right, next one is the Bet the House, where we try and nominate one or two things that we're absolutely certain will happen, but try to take a little bit of a risk with that one. I think we've mostly been losing houses. I don't think anyone's won a house yet. Maybe you No, won. no, <laughs> no, it's a struggle town here. Yeah, yeah not going to Especially it's, uh, it's coming into winter, you, you want to be sort of in, in a house, I think, when you're, when you're trying to sleep. But absolutely. for me, my Bet the House this week is that uh, Stephen Martin, is going to pick up career high hitouts. Mm. His his uh, his career high at the moment is fifty. I'm going to pick him to get fifty one plus this week. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, I'm going to say that this is going to be the week that Jake Need starts visibly performing at the level that the coaches and myself and you think that he is performing so far. Okay. Um, I think he's going to see him hit the scoreboard a bit more, get that position count up, and really be influential in terms of scoring assists, I reckon. I reckon that's what he'll end up being uh, good at, not rather than crumbing necessarily to Dixon. Um, but I guess we'll see. That's my bet the house. So I'm going to say need to kick two goals and get, say, 15-plus possessions, which I think is a bit of a stretch score he's had this year, but hopefully we'll see it. That would be a pretty good performance. I'd be pretty happy with that, I reckon. I, th- I think everyone would, really. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, look, um, just a, a reminder, obviously, we've got the competition going to win a couple of locker room tickets for the Port Adelaide versus West Coast game on, I think it's the 20th of May. Um, it's a, apparently a really good experience. Macker will talk about it. I suppose if you ask on the Port Fan Radio thread on Big 40, he'll talk endlessly about it. I don't know. Macker? <laughs> well, it's it, a great it experience. It's, it's great fun. If you haven't been down there before, I highly recommend... Um, Yep, give us a five-star review on iTunes under Port Fan Radio, mm. so it supports all the shows, um, gets our name out there, gets more Port supporters on iTunes uh, seeing us and going, oh, I wonder what that is, and uh, and listening to our shows. Um, and if you haven't been in the locker room, it, it's a great thing. Um, you get uh, you get food before the game. It's sort of like roaming um, canapes before the game. There's a three-hour drinks package that runs out at half time. Uh, there's also food at halftime, and obviously there's that um, uh, there's that sort of mirror window sort of thing where you can see uh, all the players train in the rooms before the game, see their their warm up, see what they do at halftime, see them hopefully win the uh, or sing the song after the game, um, and they can't see you, so it's great. Um, <laughs> highly recommend it. Give us a review on iTunes, and uh, and you go into the draw. You've got a week and a half left. We'll uh, we'll announce the winner. Um, in the review of the Carlton game um, in a week and a half's time. So that'll give people a, a, what, three or four days to, to collect the tickets, that sort of thing. So uh, get on board. Yeah. Now, does it have to be a, a, a well-written review or is it pretty much sort of like, hey, if you did one, you're in, you're in with a chance? 
Well, if you're giving us a one-star review, you can get stuffed, really, and, and you're not going to win anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> I no, can no. assure you of that. I mean the but written review, yeah. Any, any review that's uh, a half-decent review will be going to the draw. Okay, excellent. So as yeah. long as they say Macca is the best, they'll be fine. Look, I'm always up for bribes. <laughs> All right. Well, look, just on a quick line of speaker, speaker forum, we've got um, a question which I think was uh, in relevance to your tipping Port Adelaide this week in that Todd Bell thing is asking, are you feeling all right, Macca? Uh, a little bit flushed. It's been a hard week at work. Um, mm. Not feeling the best. Um, don't make me change my tip now. <laughs> All right, and uh, Dylan's just popped in and said that there has to be like huge Johnson level of reviews given on to qualify, but I, I don't know if that's going to be something that happens. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, look. These reviews um, are the best, I have to say. <laughs> they are pretty funny, really I've got to say. It's really good reviews. They're pretty entertaining. Mm. <laughs> All right, well, look, we've got a short podcast this week. Um, we didn't have heaps to talk about, and, you know, it's Brisbane. Psh, Brisbane. But anyway, hopefully we get the win. Uh, we're done for this week, so can't port. Can't port Adelaide, and we'll speak to you on uh, on Monday night, Portia. Yes, I'll I'll be here. I'll be doing reviews for the next few weeks while Rick's away, so that'll be fun because I don't think I have to prepare other than watch the game, which would be really <laughs> nice. It'd be great. I'll just mouth off like I used to do. That's it. <laughs> Love it. All right, count the power. Count the power. Black, black to score.